you guys like lights? Uh-huh. I guess. Oh, okay. I like lights. I love lights. And so I had the opportunity this past couple weeks. Well, I guess, oh man, I lost track of time. That Christmas Eve service wore me out. Y'all go to the Christmas Eve service? That was an amazing time, wasn't it? But man, me and Doug and I are worn out. I know the entire worship team is worn out. That's a lot of work. It's the first time I've been a part of one of those. Man, that was a lot of preparation, a lot of time, but it turned out really very well. And then you guys got to see the, the uh, candle lighting service at the, and be a part of that at the end. But I got this chance this past week to go to San Antonio during the Christmas break because they kind of decorate the entire, like, Riverwalk area. And I like the Riverwalk, but I'm a, Dal- I'm a Dallas Maverick fan. And if you don't know Mark Cuban... He will, like, say anything and everything. But he made a statement one time when they were playing the San Antonio Spurs that the Riverwalk is just a dirty old river. There's nothing special about the Riverwalk. Well, quite honestly, that's kind of how I feel sometimes because it's just, like, crowds like this walking around, and it's really nothing special. If you want to go eat, you're talking, like, an hour and a half, two-hour wait to get in a restaurant. There's really nothing really exciting, desiring for me to go there. But took our family there this past week. And my goodness, the power of lights can transform something into something that is just beautiful. I wish I had a picture of it, but the, the lighting of the, on the river and hitting the restaurants and everything was just a beautiful scene. It transformed the area, made it something new, made it something unique. Well, there's something powerful about lights. I love fishing. And I told you guys the last time I talked, which has been, I think, this past summer, that I'm an outdoors guy. If you could put me anywhere, I'd rather be outdoors, whether it's fishing, whether it's taking photography of plants and little bitty bugs, because I like macro photography. I think it's neat. Um, Whether it's hunting. I got into hunting about two years ago, but I haven't been able to hunt since because I don't have a place to go. So if there's anybody in here that has a deer leash, you know, that needs a friend or company, you know, where to talk. Um, But I love being outdoors. And so when I was about 12 or 13 years old, I went fishing with my dad and my my uncle. And it was, we, we lived in Temple, so we went to Belton Lake. And so we, we would like to go out in the evening times, just kind of fish at night in the dark on the lake. There's, so there's just something about being out alone on the lake catching lots of fish. And so uh, we left about 9 p.m. and uh, it was a cloudy evening. And so there was no moonlight, there was no stars, there was nothing. And so we left and we drove about an hour in the boat. If you know Belton Lake, or if you're familiar with Belton Lake, it's kind of large for a body of water. And there's lots of turns and little coves you can go in and you have to be able to navigate Belt Lake in order to get where you need to go. So we finally found our fishing hole about an hour later. And so we were going we to fish for crappie. So what we decided to do is we were going to put our anchors down. And we found a light on the, uh, the shore, on the horizon, that was the direction that we had come from. So we knew exactly when we were going to pick up our anchors that we were going to head back towards that light. And that's the way to home. Well, after about an hour or two of fishing and reeling in lots of fish and being three guys and catching lots of fish, you don't really care about anything else. You don't, your mind's not paying attention to anything else. 
And so all three of us were unaware that during the three hours of fishing that the anchors had come up. And we had been slowly turning like this and drifting for I don't know how long, a couple hours or so. And so the spot that we thought we were at was no longer the spot that we thought we were at. And so we didn't care because we knew that we had marked the light that was up on the hill, the direction we needed to go. And so when we turned to look at the light, that either the house, they had turned off the light. There is no light on any shore to be found. So as men, we have this under control. So we decided we were just going to pick a direction and head that direction because that is home. Well, another hour later, we were still driving around Belt Lake and did not know where home was. And so we had to swallow our pride, pull up to the shore, find a nearest house, walk up to their back door, which is probably not a good idea. I don't recommend it for anybody. And three gentlemen knocking on the back door to get some help. We were rescued. But it it got me thinking about the power of light and how we rely on light so much. We needed that to navigate. We needed that to see. And so, as I was reminded again this past week at the, I was down in San Antonio, (coughs) light can bring can reveal lots, a lot to us. It can reveal your imperfections. It can reveal beauty. Who, who doesn't like to see their wife under some lights, right? It reveals beauty. Come on, man. That's when you, you're supposed to turn to your wife and give her the, yeah, but you're not following me. All right, there you go. So light reveals lots of things. Light pushes away, pushes out darkness. So I'm going to, this morning I want to take a look at a parable in the Bible that deals with light. And so, the first question I want to ask to you is, what is a parable? What is a parable? Now, I know I've only spoken like three times, four times here. When I do ask questions, I want you to give me feedback. So, what is a parable? What's that? It's a story. Some kind of story. Earthly story with a heavenly view. Man, look at that guy. Gets extra points. Anybody else got any input? This is your chance to speak up. All right, you're gun shy. What a parable. It's a comparison, putting something alongside something else to compare it. Originally meant to be heard and not read. I think this corresponds to a lot in the Bible. I think the Bible, <coughs> sorry, was, I, by the way, I have congestion really bad. So if I start coughing and I have to just abruptly end the service, you, you may be happy about that. You go get to lunch early, but this is, I'm kind of fighting some congestion. <laughs> They're meant to be heard and not read. And I think the Bible, a lot of times, is meant to be heard. I think a lot of times we get caught up and we want to dissect the text or dissect what the author is saying. And that's not how a parable is meant to be be seen or heard. If you hear it, 
You have an instant appraisal of what the teacher was saying. You do not have time to dissect the text in intimate details. And then usually a parable has one main point that it's driving home, and they, that the author wants you to take from that parable. So if the one thing, one thing I want you to take away from that is when you read parables in the Bible, try to get someone to read the parable to you. I know that sounds kind of goofy. But get someone to read that parable to you, kind of like you would read a children's story or read or narrate a good book. Like I used to go read with my kids and when they were in kindergarten and animated reading. Have someone read the parables to you like that because they come to life. And it's amazing to me when you actually listen to a parable, what you now have heard and you close your eyes comes like comes to life in your mind and you actually can see it and it jumps off the page so as i read these parables to you about this light this lamp on a stand i want you to do something with me we're going to put them on the screens but i do not want you to read it i want you to close your eyes with me and just listen just listen to this parable okay so can you do that Will you close your eyes with me right now? You are the light of the world. You. Yes, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed. Or, or a stand. <clears throat> Instead, they put it on the stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. The same parables in Luke chapter 8, 16. It says this. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. And again in Luke chapter eleven thirty three it says, "No one lights a lamp and puts it, and puts it in a place where where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, so that those who come in may see the light." You guys, could open your eyes. Do you believe that you are the light, or you have the light living inside of you? Let me rephrase that. Do you believe that you have the light living inside of you? Got little bitty head nods. I think as a saint, which we learned several weeks ago from Dave's message, we are, when we were saved by grace, we are now saints. We are saints and no longer sinners. We have the light of Christ living inside of us. So when the scripture says, you are the light of the world, you believe that? A few more head nods. Good. We're, we're moving in the right direction. So this reminds me of a song that I heard as a child. I learned as a child. And I think a lot of you have learned the same song. Don't you wish we would just always sing and come before God in our worship just like we do as children? With no care in the world. 
sounds awful in our ears and to other people's ears, but we don't care because we're coming to God with our worship. Sometimes I wish we had approached our corporate worship here with that same passion. Just as we all used to sing this song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. What does the next verse say? All right, sing it with me. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. So for most of you in here, a simple song like that, brought a smile to all of our faces. Why is that? This is where I want feedback. Why is that? (coughs) Why does it sometimes take a childlike faith to be reminded that we are saints? We are no longer sinners, and we are a light that will always be put on a lampstand for the entire world to see always and forever and ever and ever. I love that second verse of that song because even as kids, and you guys did it as well, what do we do when we get that hide it under a bushel? We shout it, right? What happens when we become, we become older as adults? Hide it under a bushel. We, we, it's scary. I'm just going to be honest. It is scary in this world we live in today to be a lamp on a stand. And it will become even more scarier and more frightening to draw attention to our Lord, our God, our Creator, because that's what light does. It grabs your attention and you can't can't help but not see it in a dark place. Christ commands us to be salt and light. We are in a world of more and more and more moral decay. We as Christians, we try to preserve moral values. But I'm here to tell you that is not enough. Preserving moral values is not enough. The world needs the light of Christ that resides in each and every one of us. Jesus did not say this. 
you are to be the light, the light that is I am you, that is living inside of you for the church and for the church alone. Jesus did not say that. Never said that. You are to be the, he did not say you are to be the light for Grace Bible Church. The Bible does not say, when you come to church, everyone pull out their lights and let's let them shine brightly. When you come to grace, let's turn on our lights. No, when you leave this church that we call grace and get in your car and drive out of the parking lot and into your neighborhoods, into your schools, into your classrooms, into your workplaces and offices, let your light shine brightly on a lampstand because you have Christ Jesus living inside of you. You, 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 me, everyone in this room has the light of Jesus Christ. You are the light of the world. So what? Let it shine. Let the world see your light and come to know Jesus Christ. So what is Jesus saying in this, new, in this kind of commandment for us? Jesus says in this parable to always let the light be on the lampstand. You don't want to ever hide it under a bushel or under the bed or under a bowl, but let it be on a stand for the whole world to see. If we truly believe that we are saved by grace as Christians, and we, have had, we now have the light of Christ inside of us, a light is meant to be lit. A light is meant to shine bright. A light is meant to reveal all beauty. But a light also shows imperfections as well, right? In John 12, 32 through 36, it says this. Walk while you have the light so that darkness will not overtake you. If you walk in darkness, you do not know where you're going. Just like on the Lake Belton when I was 12 years old. So become children of light. I think a lot of times why we want to take this light and hide it under the bushel or hide it under a bed is because, quite frankly, it's a huge responsibility. It's a huge responsibility because darkness is everywhere. Darkness is everywhere. Moral decay is everywhere. Violence which never goes away and will never go away. There will never be peace on this earth that we know of today. Depression is always going to be there. That darkness of depression that, quite frankly, I don't understand it. I'm perplexed by it. People that have depression don't understand it. They're perplexed by it. But it's always going to be there. Denial and disappointment, getting what we think we need or desire, and always wanting it. There's going to be darkness everywhere. Darkness and broken marriage vows because we take our vows like temporary guidelines that can be easily broken if there becomes hardships. There's a huge responsibility because darkness is everywhere. There's a huge responsibility because light is always visible. 
If you are a saint now, saved by grace, and you are no longer a sinner, you have a light that shines in you that will always be visible. Always. But part of the scriptures that I love is that we were created in Christ's likeness, in unique ways, in God's unique beauty. And it says in the scriptures that every single one of us in this room, outside of these walls, in this city, in this state, country, are created in a very unique way in Christ's likeness. So picture this with me. Close your eyes with me. You are a saint, saved by grace, which you are no longer a sinner. Therefore, you have Christ's light living inside of you. His flame is is lit inside of you. It is shining brightly for the whole world to see. And because you were created in Christ's likeness and in Christ's image, you reflect. You have a lampshade on you that reflects the light of Christ that only you can reflect. Open your eyes with me. Have you ever thought about that? You have the ability, and only you, to reflect the light of Christ and how God created you. And what if the power of that light can radiate so much in the darkness that is in your life and around your life that only people that are in that darkness and a part of that darkness can see the light that only you reflect? And what if you were placed in that darkness because God knows you are the person that will reveal him to those people? And what if in our timidness and being scared and not wanting to approach our lives just as we approach a simple song like, this little light of mine and hide it under a bushel. No! What if we, we stop approaching life like that because we become timid as adults that we have not reflected the light that God wants us to reflect in our unique way because we are hiding it under our bushel or bed because it's safer. If salt has lost its saltiness, you might as well throw it on a pile of dung. The salt is worthless. Similarly, if you are unwilling to let your light shine out there in the world, if you don't let the world know that you love God, Christ, and the things of God, you might as well turn off your light. You might as well turn off your light. You have the light of Christ that lives inside of you. You have the light of Christ that lives inside of you for the world. So let it shine. All people, races, religious beliefs, color, character, non-Christ-loving need the light of Jesus Christ shining through you to light their paths. And here's something I want to emphasize this morning. Multiple lights, the body, the bride of Christ, Grace Bible Church, are better than one. Grace Bible Church will never get where God has called Grace Bible Church to be 
by Dave Roberts alone. Grace Bible will never get where God wants Grace Bible Church to be because of the staff at Grace Bible Church. I have the privilege to sit and talk to Pastor Dave on a daily basis. I have the privilege to work alongside of the staff that I have the privilege of working alongside of on a daily basis. And we can all pretty much share the vision of where we see and know God wants Grace Bible Church to be and become in this community we call Georgetown. Multiple lights are better than one. Because you see, Grace Bible is not our church. It's not Pastor Dave's church. It's not my church. It's not Brian Mullaney's church. It's not the elders of this church's church. It's Jesus Christ, our Lord's church. It is God's church. And it does not belong to us. Devotion to God's church has nothing to do about me, Dave, our staff, you, us. It has to do about we, the lights, the people of this community that make up this, this body. And the power and transformation that is awaiting us when we lift up our flames to a dark world and reveal a path that only Grace Bible and the uniqueness of how God's designed us all in this community can reveal and reflect that light in a dark world. I truly believe every single church that is that is formed and created, God placed within them a unique purpose, vision, and mission to reach only the people that God desires them to reach. That's why there's so many churches. And that's why there will continue to be multiple and need to be multiple churches within the community. Yeah, we're in the Bible Belt, and people will say, why do we need more churches? Because what if there's light that needs to be reflected in a unique way that that person in that dark world needs to see it. And then you may be the only way they see it. All light for all the world to see, never hidden under a bushel. That is how we reach our vision here at Grace Bible. How do we make sure this happens? Take risk with the light that's inside of you. Take a risk with the light that's inside of you. What is possible in Christ Jesus that you continue to say what was once impossible is now possible? What if we just stop saying and throw out those words in our vocabulary that something is impossible? Because in Christ Jesus, everything is possible. We need to revere our past, learn and celebrate, 
But all of our lights have to be committed to tomorrow. We have to revere our past and celebrate what God has done here in the past. But all of our lights have to be committed to tomorrow. Why do we need to do all this? So we, the body, the people, will give God the glory and the glory to God alone. God commands his people, his church, to share his love through our, through our love, our ability to care and understand for those we disagree with, in our ministry teams, in our life groups, on Williams Drive, on the square, in the workplace, on Facebook, and alone with your thoughts in your head. While self-sufficiency is highly valued in the world and in a democratic society that we have, it is nowhere near a godly value within the Christian church. Self-sufficiency is highly valued in the world around us. It is nowhere near a godly value within the Christian church. We were not made to be self-sufficient. I'm going to be honest with you right here. You take a look at what I believe politically. I probably fall more in line with the whole conservative Republican beliefs. And I have to ask myself the question self sufficiency is nowhere near a godly value in the Christian church. Sometimes as conservatives, as myself, I want to be self-sufficient. I made what is mine, I earned what is mine, and my gosh, I will keep what is mine, and I will give you only what I desire should be given. Don't come to me asking for help. I have to fight that. Because nowhere in the Bible does that say that's a value of Jesus Christ's church. Dependent on, we were not made to be self-sufficient. We were made to be dependent on him and him alone. Dependent on all the lights within the community, within the body, shining together with Christ's love. All the time and everywhere. Without that power and peace of Christ to guide and guard us, we would all be goners. We should be all about we. We the people, all the people. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not and will not perish but have everlasting life. Your light, our light, shines to give God the glory. Your light, our light, shines to direct people's paths and lead them towards Christ. My question to you today is what has become your bowl or bushel that you're willing to put your light under because you're unwilling to let God's glory and brilliance shine brightly. Is it a political belief? Is it an understanding of how you see a culture or society and what they believe? Because here's the deal. Once you accept God's grace 
and understand God's grace and are forgiven of your sins. You are now a saint, no longer a sinner. You are saved by grace. You now have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You are a light and a light for all time and forever and ever and ever. Amen. So let it shine. In Mark, it brings up this same parable once again. And I want you to close your eyes with me again. Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. And in Isaiah 53, it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form. And when we see him, there, and when we see him, There is no beauty that we should desire him. The light was hidden to them. John 3.19. This is the condemnation upon men. The light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Because they hardened their hearts through evil deeds, wickedness, and unbelief. They couldn't see the light and they dwelt in darkness. And then in John chapter 1 verse 5 it says this. The light, the light that is inside of you, shined in the darkness, and still the darkness did not comprehend it. Open your eyes. If I'm honest with myself, the reason I don't always let my light shine, and because I want to put it under my bushel or my bed, Is because I already know going into a conversation or walking into a room or walking into an environment, I already know the outcome of how they think or what I think they will believe of what I, the light I want to show or shine. And therefore, instead of being proud and being wanting to give glory and honor and praise to God, I would just walk into the room with my lit light hidden And you cannot tell that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ because I am not declaring his glory. Instead, what if we approached with our lights, all of our lights, as the body of Christ, as Grace Bible? And we had the understanding that the light shined in the darkness. Together to reach our vision and mission as a church, we're going to lift up our lights together. All of us, we can't leave someone behind. If we're a follower here, you're going to have to say, I'm going to lift my light. I'm going to let it shine brightly, all of us. Otherwise, we will not reach our vision and mission. If one person is left behind, we will not get there. We will lift up our lights in the darkness. But there still may be people that do not comprehend it. And it does not change the fact that I'm going to lift my light proudly. When we start approaching the world with that context and allowing God to transform lives and not us, people are drawn toward the light. And still, people may not comprehend it. I want you all to do me a favor in the back and just turn off the lights real quick. 
stage lights as well. If you, had, if you had the opportunity to be here for the Christmas Eve service, you got to see the power of the kind of the visible representation of Christ's light being spread among the darkness and in the darkness. And it all started from one flame such as this. What if you in your seat right now are that, that light of Christ that is in that dark room like we're in right now? And because you never, ever will put this light under a bowl or bushel ever, ever again, people are drawn towards that light. And the power of how we saw the light growing in the room on Christmas Eve starts to happen from your light. That's how we overcome darkness. That's how we celebrate and give God the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's how we can always have a childlike faith and sing this. This little light of mine I'm going to let it shine. Sing it with me. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Now this next part, if you truly believe it, I want you to shout it from the rooftops. If you truly believe it, I want you to shout it from the rooftops. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. We're going to sing that first verse one more time. And I want to challenge you guys. The band is going to play. We're going to go on a time of prayer. And maybe this is your opportunity to let your light shine for someone in this room. If you do need prayer, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come stand in the corners of the room right now. And even if you're not on the prayer team, (laughs) if there's someone in this room right now that you want to go pray with, just to wrap your loving arms around them, to give them a hug, just to say, I love you, just so they hear that someone in this room loves them, I challenge you to do that. That is holding our lights boldly. Or maybe you just want to get down on your knees before our God, before His throne, and just admit to Him that I have been hindering your light shining for the world to see in my life. Because I've been afraid. 
This is your step to let those lights shine boldly. You guys pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for this great opportunity to come into your house this morning to worship you. Lord, I do thank you for the power of light and for the, the representation of what it means in our life and how it does reveal our imperfections. It reveals that we a path. It reveals where we need to go. It reveals your glory, your power, how majestic you are. And Lord, may we never, ever, ever put our lights under a bushel or under our bed or under a bowl. Because you've designed us in your unique image to let your light and your light alone reflect and shine through our bodies so that others may see you through our uniqueness. Lord, that is a power, powerful thing, but it has lots and lots of responsibility. And Lord, if we truly understand the power of grace, may it be something that we want to spread for everyone and to everyone throughout the world, throughout this community, throughout Georgetown. May it become a fire that catches, catches on and, and lights up this community. May we always burn brightly. Jesus, let me pray. Amen.